Amen. I've decided I'm going to follow the um, leaders I see on TV, and when I'm actually speaking, I'm going to take the mask down so I'm not muffled so much. So our call to worship is a psalm of David this morning, and it's when um, he made a change in his behavior before the foreign king Abimelech, uh, who then sent him away, and he went away. I will be blessing the Lord at all times. His praise will be ever in my mouth. My soul shall say great things of the Lord, and the poor in spirit will have knowledge of it and be glad. Oh, give praise to the Lord with me. Let us be witnesses together of his great name. I was searching for the Lord, and he gave ear to my voice. And he made me free from all my fears. Let your eyes be turned to him, and you will have light, and your faces will not be shamed. This poor man's cry came before the Lord, and he gave him salvation from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord is ever watching over those who have fear of him to keep them safe. By experience, you will see that the Lord is good and happy is the one who has faith in him. Let's uh, continue to worship the Lord, uh, singing this great song about Jesus Christ, number 82, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Three in one God, uh, that song has a lot of truth in it. But we are gathered here together this morning to lay aside all the problems that we face during the week and in daily living, and to just seek you in your presence, to give you the worship that is due to you, because you are so perfect in your love, in your truth, in your mercy, in your judgments. So Lord, just help us, help us to be enfolded into you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, and by your Holy Spirit. O oh, three-in-one God, please be totally among us as we are in your presence by the prayers, by the songs, by the word, and by the sacrament. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, um, in this new day, without uh, offerings or any of those things, let's take our bulletin inserts. We'll be using them a lot this morning. And let's uh, pray together this prayer of confession written by King David. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful 
from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Amen. So David has the full scope of a right relationship with God here. This has to do you know, with our sins, which is falling short, our iniquity, which is the twistedness within us, and our transgressions, which are deliberate disobediences to God's ways where we don't show love. But he says, when you wash all of these things away from me, I will be a new man. I will be someone who can teach others. So please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me but stay with me, stay in me, and use me so that I can share your joy and your great love with other people. And John summed this all up in his first letter in the New Testament. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And with that, we can move on. So now let's sing um, a song about Jesus um, and his sacrifice, which was accepted, and he's now in glory. Number 241, Lamb of Glory. Oh, no. Did I have that on? <laughs> was I singing into the thing? Well, it's now time for the reading of God's word from Proverbs. This morning's reading is Proverbs 20, verses 5 through 12. Counsel in the heart of a man is deep water, and a man of understanding draweth it up. A multitude of men proclaim each his kindness, and a man of steadfastness who doth find. The righteous is walking habitually in his integrity. Oh, the happiness of his sons after him. A king sitting on a throne of judgment is scattering with his eyes all evil. Who saith, I have purified my heart, I have, cleansed, I have been cleansed from my sin. A stone and a stone, an aphah and an aphah, both of them are an abomination to Jehovah. Even by his actions a youth maketh himself known, whether his work be pure or upright, a hearing ear, and a seeing eye, Jehovah hath made even both of them. Amen. Uh, we have not spent a whole lot of time uh, in Proverbs, but we will be dwelling there today and getting wisdom from God. Well, let us go to God in prayer right now. 
Righteous Father God, on this Sunday when our country recognizes human fathers, we confess our need for your forgiveness and that we fall short of your holiness. And we confess our need also for you to empower us in order to be sons and daughters who are growing in righteousness. Help us to remember, O oh God, that you are three persons, perfectly and eternally interrelated and intertwined. And when the Son became a human, a man, it was to live and die for us so that we might be forgiven in him. And then you both sent the Holy Spirit to be in all who come to you in fully surrendered faith, the faith of your Savior's Son. It is both a mystery and a gospel simple enough that even a child can understand. Help us to daily know you better and please give us hearts to know you through your word and the Holy Spirit. And then knowing you, may all our words and deeds be more and more like those of Jesus as he walked on this earth so that we may be what you created us to be. Firstly, stewards of your good creation and also ambassadors representing you to all that live and breathe. Three in one God, the events of this year have shown us how weak we are. All of our science and so-called knowledge cannot overcome a virus. And our hearts are, are, are harboring hatreds and prejudices that run counter to the love that you have given us in Jesus. Therefore, we need your grace to trust you fully, especially because we know we cannot save ourselves. And we must let your spirit purge all evil and darkness out of our hearts. Please begin to work these changes in us as we examine your word and receive the body and blood of your Savior Son in the sacrament. And we pray for our extended church family. Please be with Griff. He needs you more than ever now. And please reassure him that his beloved wife, Holly, has finished her race and has now been safely welcomed home by you. Please be with Betty Ann and continue to strengthen her. And uh, thank you that her niece Anne and her husband are visiting her often. Please be with Doris to heal her. And please restore the air conditioning to the Coolidge Apartments. Um, her hope is that it will be installed by the end of the day tomorrow. Please let that come true. It's awful hot right now. And Father, please touch Janet Braddocks and please heal her completely. Uh, take that cough away from her. And also, speaking of lungs, please uh, help Pat Nason 
and help her to uh, breathe better and more freely. And uh, Father, uh, just there's so many people in this church. We all need you. Please be with each and every one of us and with our families on this family day. And please, please help and let anyone who is fearing this virus understand this thing. If we are in Jesus, your perfect love will cast out all fear. And please be keeping all of those in leadership, especially in government, properly humble. Um, many people on this earth, all around the globe, have submitted to uh, whatever guidelines are coming down from leaders. Um, these have been established in good faith, but please keep the leaders humble and don't let this go to their heads that people are obeying them. And please keep all people also properly humble, not to abuse their so-called freedoms that they have been given. And please give us all wisdom because true freedom is to follow your life-giving Torah, your words of instruction, um, instruction in the one who perfectly fulfills it, that is Jesus Christ. He lived it perfectly. May we live it in him. And now, Father, we thank you because so often our words fall short of praying properly. But Jesus has given us a perfect prayer that we may pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. And I've chosen to sing before uh, the sermon this great gospel song, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Because the more we understand God and his word, and how far we fall short, we can kind of start freaking out, and that's not good. But it's awesome that we are in Jesus and he is in us if we are rightly related to him. So let's remind ourselves of this wonderful truth. 297. Amen. And if I remember right, uh, when I was looking at my copy of Sing Joyfully at Home, I wrote in with a pen, supernal means heavenly. So that grace was given to us from heaven by God. Well, the wisdom of God is infinitely more than any human being is capable of fully understanding. And even those people who read God's word, scripture, every single day, and even those who have fulfilled the Puritan ideal, and I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but the Puritans that founded this state and country consider somebody a slacker who hadn't read the Bible cover to cover at least one time for every year that has passed since they fully gave themselves to Jesus Christ. Uh, 
I have. I have read every uh, book at least 41 times. But even these people, and Noel and Darren and I were talking about this Friday, miss a whole lot of what God has in scripture for them. I don't care if I've read a chapter 150 times, I get something different out of it the next time I read it. There's just so much to God. And I count this a blessing that when I was at seminary, I along with several, I think over 100 other students was given a free copy of a book by one of our professors it was on the books of Solomon, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And I was also privileged to have him teach me Hebrew poetry in one of my courses. And his commentary on Proverbs, and, and this guy, I thought I could find patterns. I was an actuary. This guy proved, you know, I used to always think, oh my, you got all these random proverbs between chapters 10 and 29. It's just proverb after proverb. Well, he found they fall into neat paragraphs with beginnings and middles and ends, and they're all interrelated. Now, when I was thinking about Father's Day, and of course, you know that I've been calling it Men's Day, and this is my 19th Father's Day in Clinton. Um, I was looking for a good cover from Bulletin, and you can see it this morning. It's Proverbs 27, 20, verse 7. And in the King James, it, it says, um, the just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. And I said, that's what we need in our church at this time this year. And this was, of course, before everything shut down. But I've, I've also just sensed for years, even before I was called into the ministry, and, and, and this may seem strong, but I honestly believe this, that, um, oh, where did I put it? I want to get this right. Christian men, okay, men, and, and, and when I came here, my mentor said, you need to build up the men in this church. Uh, thankfully, God has done that. But Christian men need to particularly stand up and be doing their God-ordained duties, first in God's church, secondly in their families, and thirdly in society at large. And I think this proverb that's our bulletin cover this morning really sums that up. God wants, and I've said this for a couple of decades now, all men to be spiritual fathers. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not or whether you have biological children. Spiritual fathers of many children and youth. And this one verse is part of a paragraph. Now, I thought I knew what the paragraph was, but I went to my professor's commentary and I realized that there's eight proverbs that fit together. In the introductory proverb is, and you heard it read, the counsel, um, the plans, the purposes that are in a man's heart, in an individual heart, they're very deep. And it takes a great amount of understanding for one person to understand it. And then it finishes eight verses later 
with this very encouraging thing that we all need to know, this truth, I shouldn't call it a thing, this truth, that God is the only one who can truly discern this heart and give to his people the ability to be discerning. So there's many different patterns and, and permutations within this. So let's look at these eight Proverbs in this paragraph and seek to know how they fit together. And more importantly, our goal is that uh, we all, okay, all of us, there's not that many men here this morning, but especially the men may grow into the righteousness of God in order to bless children and youth so they can get into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord comes from knowing his love and having his love deep within us. Well, this collection of eight Proverbs falls neatly into two halves. And the four Proverbs in the first half all have Proverbs in the second half corresponding to them. So let me give you the highlights of the first four Proverbs. The human heart is deep. Men proclaim having love, but a righteous man will leave a legacy and then kings dispense with what is evil. And each of these four falls into a pair of two. So we've got two pairs of two. And the first two say that a man of understanding can know a heart, but beware of words because few people are fully faithful. So we have verse five, the first verse, and it says, deep waters, and I would put a colon here, the counsel in the heart of a man. So a man's counsels, plans, purposes, they are very deep. And a man of understanding will draw it out. Now this word for deep, um, has connotations to it, again, from a Bible dictionary, if you have one, of being unsearchable and mysterious. And this indicates that the hearts of human beings are difficult to understand. Be very careful thinking you understand another person's heart. And I'll add out a personal experience. It's maybe even harder to know my own heart. I was thinking this morning, I thank God for people around me that know me well enough to point out to me flaws that I'm blind to. But it is possible to understand. And earlier in Proverbs, in chapter 2, Solomon had charged his son to lift up his voice and cry out to God for understanding and the fear of Yahweh in order to receive both wisdom and knowledge from God. Now the second proverb, verse 6, says that all of mankind, and I like the way Young's literal translation brought this out, proclaims to be a man. In other words, it says each and every man will more or less claim, I have steadfast love. But to contrast to that, God inspired Solomon to say, but who will find a man of truth? Now, love and truth are two of the great characteristics of God. This God's love, this hesed, which is just one of the richest words throughout Scripture, it talks about his strong, life 
giving, life-changing love. This is not hallmark love. This is not a sentimental grandpa. This is the kind of love that changes people, and we all need to be changed. And it comes through faith in the work of what God's Son, Jesus Christ, did on earth, culminated by showing us what real love is. He gave himself to die. The perfect, righteous, sinless God gave himself to die for us and for our sins so we could be forgiven and have new life. And truth, God's truth, and this is why it's so out of favor in our culture today, it is both firm and dependable. And it's personified in Jesus. Jesus is all truth. And in scripture, it's often linked with God's love as it is here in his love and his mercy. And it's to lead people um, to peace, the peace that comes only from being reconciled to God in salvation. And that's in Jeremiah chapter 33, which is an awesome chapter. So, but let's put this together. Okay, I claim that I love like God loves. Of course, I'm lying. Um, you know, I think I understand truth. People who claim to have God's love and truth in them, and they personify this, they're somewhat deceived. I'm putting it mildly and gently. We all have mixed motives and actions, and we're all capable of deceiving ourselves. We all need to have a proper self-awareness of how much we are growing in Christ-likeness. I don't want anyone here who knows Jesus and is following him to get discouraged. We can indeed grow in Christ-likeness by faith in him. No one fully has all of God's qualities or ever will, but if we have received the Savior and the Holy Spirit, we are growing in the qualities of God, and this is a good thing. The second set of two Proverbs in this first half are a man who's walking in wholeness, has happy children, and a king judges evil with his eyes so as to remove it. So again, here's our bulletin uh, cover proverb a man walking in his fullness is righteous, and happy are his sons after him. Now, I think we all know by now that in Scripture, walking refers to the manner, the manner in which a man or a woman goes about living his or her life. It refers to all that we do, all of our interactions with other people, and also our relationship with the three-in-one God. Full, complete, whole. Um, and this word has a sense of simplicity. So he's a simple man in a good sense. Why? Well, I had a professor at seminary who loved the movie with Billy Crystal where Curly said it's all about one thing. Well, a simple, whole man has only one desire and goal in his life, to be fully focused on God and God's word. 
He's like the man in Psalm 1 who will not walk, stand, or sit with those who are wicked or sinners or mockers. His one delight is in Yahweh, the three-in-one God, and his word of instruction or teaching. And this leads to righteousness. Now, I've given you many scriptures. God is acknowledged for his righteousness over and over again, but I've given you four examples, twice in prayers of confession and twice in proclamation and praise. So both Ezra and Daniel prayed prayers for the exiles who had been kicked out of the promised land for perpetually disobeying God, and in their confessions they said, you alone are righteous. And um, also um, praising him for his righteousness. That's in the Psalms and Revelation. And the good thing is God is therefore able to make people righteous. Psalms, the Gospels, and Hebrews. So here's where we get to integrity, okay? Um, the King James translates it integrity. Integrity means all the parts of a person are working together into a perfect wholeness. So these words are all synonyms, and it's all a gift of God. And this man, who is walking fully focused on God, is made righteous by God, and therefore his children coming after him will be happy. Namely, they, through what their father has witnessed to them by his life, they can experience the blessing of Yahweh. Now, this word for happiness and blessings, I've given you four references from the Psalms of people that have this happy blessing from God, those who have been forgiven, and we confessed our sins for forgiveness, those who have taken refuge in God rather than anyone else those who have regard for those who are weak. I was reading it again this morning in Deuteronomy. God has three chosen people, the poor, the widow, the orphan, make that four, the alien or the sojourner among us. These are the weak. And also those who are happy have been disciplined and taught by Yahweh, Psalm 94, the same way a good father disciplines and teaches his children. So what's the bottom line this morning? Men who live in all the fullness of God will bless children, their own and others. Fourthly, as we finish the first half of this paragraph, a king sitting on his throne of judgment scatters or winnows out all that is evil in his eyes. So a godly king, as David and Josiah and others were, will dispense of everything evil in their kingdom. Just toss it away, get rid of it. And then it says, with his eyes. Whenever a king sees evil in his kingdom, and how does he know what's evil? Well, do you remember from Deuteronomy? It wasn't a surprise. God was supposed to be the king. But 500 years before God gave Israel a king, he says, you're going to want a king, and here's what your king must do. Deuteronomy 7, as soon as he ascends the throne, he must take, well, they didn't have pen and paper, but he must write out on a scroll 
all of the Torah, all of the five books of Moses. It will be his personal copy. He will read it every day. He will meditate on it, and he will lead God's people according to my word. So when a king sees evil according to God's word, he must remove it for the sake of God's people. And now we come to part two of this paragraph. No one's pure from sin. Fraud is an abomination to Yahweh. But conduct will show if youth, young people, are right. But Yahweh alone makes people discerning. So now it's kind of like turned around. The, the first paragraph, the first two proverbs of this paragraph match up with the last two of the first one. No one's heart is pure from sin, and double standards are an abomination to Yahweh. So the first proverb in here corresponds with the man of righteousness. And it says, no one's heart is pure from sin, and double standards are an abomination. So he says, who will say, who can, is able to say, I have purified my heart, and I'm cleansed from all sin? This is a rhetorical question. This was what the righteous man was like. But the reality is nobody's attained it. We all sin. Both our experience and God's word teach us that no one is totally righteous, clean, pure, and without sin. And I've given you several references from Genesis to the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, and 1 John in the New Testament. But what people need to do by faith is to strive to be like the man in the proverb in the first part that corresponds with this, the one who is fully focused on God and on his word. Okay, Now, that's hard to do, right? What do we do? What is our hope? Well, since Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Savior King has come and completed his mission on earth. This is what every one of us must do to be freed from the consequences of our sin. I'll make it personal. I'm going to have to edit this before we put it on the website. I must recognize and confess to God that I cannot live a life pleasing to him by my own strength. Secondly, I must also recognize and then trust in Jesus, in who Jesus is and what he did. Who is he? He is the God-man, conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin human mother. Fourthly, what did he do? Well, at the age when priests began to serve Yahweh in the tabernacle, when he was 30 years old, he began to show and tell people all about God by his words and his miraculous deeds. And then we've already talked about God's love. Out of his amazing, strong, life-giving, life-changing love, and this was fully in Jesus, the God-man, he offered his sinless, righteous life to death so that people might be 
forgiven by God. This was foreshadowed in the sacrificial system of the Torah that was given through Moses. Why did I say might be forgiven? Jesus died for everyone's sins, but not everyone is forgiven. And then he ascended to the throne of God. He rules the universe, and he and the Father gave the Holy Spirit, and here's what we must do. To whoever will come to God in true humility, truly dependent on the work of Jesus Christ in order to obey him by faith because of what Jesus did for him or did for me. When I came to realize I can't do this on my own, and I fully surrendered to God in desperation and began to read his word and say, God, what is it you want me to do? And tried to live pleasing to God. That's when my life fully got changed, little by little, okay? I should say he began to do his work in me. And I began to get the peace of God, this angry young man that Billy Joel wrote a song about. So by receiving this gospel of Christ, and receiving Christ himself, okay? It's not just I believe in my head what I just said to you. That does nothing for us. We have to receive it into our hearts and we have to receive God into our hearts and let him be the king of our lives. We need to surrender to him so that we live in him and he lives in us and we always know that. Then we may be made righteous and empowered by God to live in the fullness of all of his ways, his ways of blessing. And also we will then bless the following generation. We're coming back to the cover proverb again. Men who are living in the fullness of God's ways can bless children. We don't have to be caught in sin. And then the second proverb of this section and it's kind of funny, the literal translation, but basically what it says, two sets of weights, like weighing jewelry and precious things, or two measures, like when you're doing grain. And I remember all the offerings. I've been reading Leviticus. You are to bring an aphah of, uh, one-tenth of an aphah of flour for a grain offering with this. If you have two different sets, that's an abomination to Yahweh. Well, what's meant by this? Many merchants in biblical days, and even today, not only in the Middle East, but all around the world, they use two different sets of scales and measuring tools. They will get out a scale that measures high when they are buying something. So uh, it will measure an ounce. But what the merchant's really getting in return is maybe an ounce and a half. But that's one set of weights. When he goes to sell it to somebody, it will measure an ounce, but it's really only three quarters of an ounce. So on both transactions, he's cheating people and making extra money. And we're told that that is just an abomination Yahweh. It's disgusting. It's wicked. It's wicked because, again, like I said, both are being cheated. Um, the customer's getting less than what he paid for, and the uh, 
the, the one who he's buying from is dead in Peter's as well. Uh, so if human kings, again, this corresponds with the first half, if they will dispense with evil, how much more, how much more will God, the righteous king of kings, put away people who are practicing abomination using double standards? So as we are going to be having communion soon, let us start now examining ourselves and asking God to show us any abominations that may be in our lives. And just like the two kings, let us also fear God-ordained human authority, as in Romans 13, and also Yahweh himself, the king of kings. Now we're coming to the close of this paragraph. The last pair of Proverbs says that the deeds of youth will show if they are pure. And it's Yahweh who makes, makes ears and eyes that are truly able to hear and see. And what does that mean? Yahweh gives us discernment. It starts out by saying, who can discern a human heart? Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Even by his deeds, a youth makes himself known if he is right and pure in his work. And, and I admit I was using a, a lexicon that most people probably don't have in their library. It's by uh, three German men. Uh, you can get it from Christian book. It's uh, Brown Driver Briggs. And it pointed out that the word, the first word for deeds and practices has to do with deeds and practices where when men are doing them, half the time they're kind of evil and not right. And then that second word, um, talking about his works, uh, I did go up and, and look in my interlinear Bible. And even in Proverbs 30, it says, an adulteress does these kinds of work. So what's being said here is just because somebody is a youth, you know, he's, he's under 30 years old, doesn't mean that everything he's going to do is going to be right. You have to examine carefully what he does. And so as I've been talking about how all these proverbs interrelate and the complexity of them, uh, I heard a wonderful sermon by Haddon Robinson. Maybe some of you have heard about him. He was considered one of the top 10 preachers in the 20th century. And he preached on the Proverbs one day. And he said, you have to understand that when God gave them into this culture, families spent the whole day together. They would be working on the family business, the farm, whatever it might be. And God gave these Proverbs to be word puzzles. And so they would take a paragraph's worth of Proverbs every day. And as they were going about their duties, they would discuss them and try to figure out what God was teaching them about life. And one of the things he said, and I certainly found this out with the last proverb, is some of these Proverbs are so deep, they pose a problem to translators. Translators want to give the readers clarity, but he said sometimes they give the readers too much clarity by interpreting something that they should have been left to puzzle out. But you know what? You don't need to know that. You don't need a Brown Driver Briggs dictionary. The plain sense English meaning 
is complex enough that you can puzzle over them for hours. And this proverb here, again, I said they're parallel. This proverb links back with the very second proverb that we had back in verse 6, which is we all claim to have God's love and truth, and we don't. That was about adults. This is about youth. So we all have difficulty living lives of God's love and truth. So this proverb here is about actions. The first one was about words. So words and actions are linked together, and the words and actions of God's people must be like the man that's our hero in verse 7, the man who's living in the fullness of God and his ways that are given in his word. And this, again, only happens when we fully surrender to God in Jesus Christ, to live by the faith of a small child, a child under the age of five, not this cynical youth in the proverb, and then both men and women living in God's wholeness and fullness with God and his word, number one, they will bless children who come after them. Men who live in the fullness of God's ways bless children. And finally, the ear that is hearing and the eye that is seeing, Yahweh has made them both. So here's the top of the mountain. The three-in-one God alone makes our ears and eyes open to have understanding and discern the deep waters of human hearts. We've come full circle now. It is possible to know the hearts of people by their words and actions when we are guided by God's spirit and word. The word alone is not enough. We need the spirit. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And through faith in him, people can have his discernment. Only Yahweh, the three-in-one God, makes people discerning of truth. So let me summarize this, and you can take it home and check it out yourself and study it this week. This wisdom paragraph describes seven kinds of people. All of them are known to Yahweh. One of them is a mystery. Two of them are either deceived or confused. Two of them are outright evil. One is evil in the presence of a human king, the other in the presence of the king of kings, the sovereign Yahweh. One knows really deep down he can't claim purity, and one is genuinely righteous, walking in God's fullness so his children are happy and blessed. So may we all receive the gospel of Jesus and Jesus himself in order to live in him so we can bless others and be like this man. Whenever a man lives in the fullness of God's ways, he will be a blessing to children. So we've gone around and we've gotten kind of deep this morning, but let's wrap it up. This collection of eight Proverbs describes the full range of types of people in this world and both their relationships with Yahweh and other people. And in order to understand the hearts of others, people must use the hearing and vision that Yahweh has given them. And what is the ideal for a man to live humbly 
in the fullness given to him by Yahweh in order to become righteous as God is righteous so that all children coming after him will find happiness, which is the blessings of Yahweh to those living by faith in his son. Men who live in the fullness of God's ways, they bless children. And now, before we have uh, communion this morning and after we sing the song, I'll give you a little explanation of what's happening this morning. But let's first of all prepare our hearts by singing this song in our bulletin inserts, Lamb of God. Amen. Well, let me explain uh, what we're doing uh, this morning. Uh, given everything that's going on, we ordered a bunch of prepackaged uh, communion kits. Now, uh, it's a little bit difficult. I hope everybody's fingers are working because there's two layers here. If somebody, well, my goodness, we put this all out with gloves and we don't want to hurt anybody, but maybe some people can help each other out here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to ask people to get this, and there's a clear layer that's lifted up with the bread under it. And then after taking the bread, there's a second layer that's lifted. You can lift up and we can take the juice. So um, let's see, let's have, a, who's going to need help to get these open? Okay, well, why don't I kind of step aside in the interest of safety and everybody come up and get one, and maybe when you get back to your seat, you can see if you can lift the top alone. I kind of messed up this one and lifted them both at first, so we'll see how everybody does. So uh, come up one at a time. Okay, how are we all doing? <laughs> Are we going to be able to, to do this? Uh, I'll, I'll wait till everybody is more or less ready. Um, what I'm going uh, to do this morning is I'm going to uh, read a special communion prayer. And then after we pray this prayer together, uh, we can first partake of the little wafer in this kit. And then after that, um, of, of, the, um, of the cup uh, together, and we can all be doing this together. I think this is probably the best we can do with communion, um, given what's happening. Uh, is Ray going to be okay? All right. Okay. All right, let's pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. And we pray through you, Holy Spirit, that this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup the blood of Christ. 
accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world and to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. I think this really sums up the sacrament. And so now if we can each take uh, the wafer, and as we all have the wafer, let us partake of the body of Christ together. And now having partaken of the body of Christ, let us now also partake together of his blood, which was poured out for us and for our forgiveness of sins and wholeness in him. Let us now partake of his blood. I'm coming, especially over the last year or so, to have more and more of an appreciation of this sacrament. Uh, I, I've always believed, even at seminary, when I read the words of Martin Luther, he did not break away and create Protestantism over the Eucharist. He said Christ was clear in the gospel. When he transformed Passover into communion, he said, this bread is my body. This is a mysterious miracle, but we have just partaken and taken into ourselves the true body of Christ. And he said, this cup is my blood, and we have now taken his blood into our body. All that he has done to redeem us and make us his genuine children, we now have this in us, and this should energize us and help us to walk closer to him, more pleasing to him, being children that can please our Heavenly Father, because he's even better than that Father in Proverbs. So now let us close our time of worship, and I've noticed in my record of songs, this will be the 18th time we have sung this song since 2008. I think it is the best song written in the 21st century. So let's close by singing In Christ Alone. It, it's a powerful song. Amen. Our benediction is from Psalm 116. Yahweh preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for Yahweh has dealt bountifully with you. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk before Yahweh in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my consternation, men are all a vain hope. What shall I render to Yahweh? for all his bounty to me. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of Yahweh. 
I will pay my vows to Yahweh in the presence of all his people. Amen.